0: Souls Forum, a production of the All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church at 4501 Walnut Street in Kansas City, Missouri. Today's presentation, Signs of Suicide Gatekeeper Training with Michelle Irwin, was recorded on April 16, 2023 at All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church of Kansas City.
1: Welcome to the All Souls Forum. My name is Alex Westerfelt. I'm proud to represent the Forum Committee, and it's a core group of dedicated individuals who've been doing this for over 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 75 years, actually. Um, (laughs) Our speaker this morning is the um, first one in the series that we have that's spotlighting youth suicide prevention, as well as cyberbullying. She'll speak for about 35 to 40 minutes. We take a break and then we come back for a question and answer session. So today's presentation is Signs of Suicide Gatekeeper Training. Michelle Irwin is our presenter. She's the Community Outreach Specialist for First Call alcohol, drug prevention, and recovery, where she has worked since 2008. Michelle has experience in public speaking, youth group organizing special events, grant writing, and training development. Through her schooling and her work with First Call, Michelle has developed an interest in working with youth and educating community members on substance use disorders. Michelle is a person in long-term recovery. She holds a BA from the University of Missouri in English Creative Writing, and she's a proud mom to a 30-year-old daughter named Taylor. And in her free time, Michelle is an avid
2: equestrian. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Alex. Thank you very much. It's always interesting to hear yourself be it be introduced. <laughs> Oh, do I do? <laughs> do I do? Hi, everybody. Good morning. Again, my name is Michelle Irwin, and I am the community outreach specialist for First Call. And as, as Alex said, I am a person in long-term recovery, which means I haven't had a drink or drug in over seventeen years now. And and I'm very proud to say that I'm very. I'm very. It it it's made it's helped me lead a very productive happy, grateful life. So I'm very glad to be here. Today I'm going to be talking to you about youth suicide, which is not a happy subject. I know it's an uncomfortable subject, but that's why we're here to talk about it. Because we, the way to impact this and make this not a thing that we need to talk about is to talk about it right now. I'm going to go over some myths and facts. I'm going to go over some statistics I'm going to introduce risk and warning signs for for an individual to see in another individual, and and it says what can schools do. I'm going to talk about what anybody can do. I do this presentation and this program in schools. We have it currently running in 22 schools in the in our area. So a lot of times you're going to see the word students, and I apologize that means I missed it in my edits. <laughs> but students are young people too, you know. So then we'll have some Q and A. So let's, let's start taking a closer look at youth suicide. First, I want to define suicide. Suicide is an act, an intention, intentional injury with the purpose of killing yourself. When we talk about suicide in this presentation, that's the definition I'm using. It is not a real mental health condition. It is the result of a bunch of other stuff. It is a complicated situation that people any age are dealing with. A lot, this, this, this presentation is purposely designed to address suicide ideation in young people, but I will be upfront and honest with you. Everything I say holds true in every age group here. So, But we'll go over, we'll, we'll talk about it like that, but I wanted to make that clear when we talk about suicide it is the intentional act to injure and and, and attempt to to die. An in, a young person, an individual uses. So first, I would like to go through a few a few myths, beliefs that are out there about suicide. Talking about suicide or asking someone if they're suicidal is risky because it might be might put the idea in their head. This is not. A fact the actual fact is we don't give an individual conversation does not give an individual an idea to to uh, to think of have a suicide ideation thoughts of suicide they've the conversation actually has been shown through evidence to open up. If we're talking to somebody we're concerned about and we bring this up, it has been shown over and over again that they, uh, they grab on to the invitation by, by the topic already being brought up by somebody else to discuss what's going on with them. So it's important to remember that we, by talking to them, by saying that word, which it's hard to say, you know, it is uncomfortable. By saying that word you're you're not introducing the thought to them they by the time you're concerned and want to talk to them they've had already they're already in that mode so it's a, you are actually giving them permission to talk to you about it. Another myth if a person is determined to kill themselves, there isn't much that can be done to stop them again, the fact is. Even the most severely depressed person has mixed feelings about death. Suicide ideation and the, and the attempt to die by suicide is the result of a whole bunch of other stuff happening. And an individual dealing with so much pain, they don't know how else to get rid of it. They are, they are in this tunnel vision mode where they have no other escape. That's how far they've gotten. That's what suicide ideation is about. It is about being stuck with a pain that they can't figure out how to get rid of. And the majority of individuals, especially adolescents that deal with suicide ideation, have an undiagnosed other mental health issue going on. Majority of it is depression, and we'll get more into that later. But we're, what we're really talking about here today is recognizing and addressing depression or another mental health issue going on with a young person. So you're going to see the word depressed and depression come up a lot. So if they already have mixed feelings. They really don't want to be at that point where they want to no longer feel anything by death. They want to be able to, to deal with this feeling and get rid of this feeling of uncomfortableness. So that's really the truth. They don't really, they, they cannot, once they made the decision that um, a suicide, an attempted suicide is the only way for them to go, they, they can be persuaded. In fact, most of the survivors of a suicide attempt say that that very last second, when they couldn't, fin- they couldn't stop what, their action, they wish they hadn't done it. Majority of them say that, like over 95%. Teens think they are depressed. They are de- A myth, again, that things think they are depressed, but they are just dealing with emotional turmoil of growing up. Children and teens don't actually suffer from depression. Fact is, they do. They do. Most people, adults, who are dealing with depression in their lives, cl- clinically diagnosed depression, started when they were 12 to 14 years old. That's when it started. So there really is a real thing. It isn't just teenage angst, which, I know, I'm old enough that that's how we were brought up. It's, ah, you're just a teen, you know. You're just going through your, all that. But, but it, they can have depression. In fact, the majority of young people and and any age group that deal with suicide ideation, over ninety percent, either have diagnosed or undiagnosed depression. Treatment works. Young people can be treated as well. You can grab this the, the the depression by you know early on and help an individual learn how to deal with this and manage it throughout their entire life. Just like substance use disorders, it it can be treated. And a full and, and active life in your community is is extremely possible. It's 100% possible. As somebody once said, we have, we have 100% survival rate. <laughs> so, so it is treatable. And there's all sorts of ways between therapy and talk therapy to medication. There's all sorts of ways to treat it. So a couple of truths and false. One in twenty adolescents have diagnosable mental health disorder. Yep, actually it's one in five. One in five have have a diagnosable mental health disorder. Now that could be anxiety, that could be ADHD, that could be depression, but they have something going on that that bothers them. You know, it eats at them, and they and they don't know what it is, and it's. So, it's important to pay attention. Approximately 50% of all adolescents with a psychiatric disorder receive treatment. False. Less than half who are dealing with this mental health disorder or psychiatric disorder receive any kind of treatment. The prevalence of depression in adolescents and young adults is increasing. Now, this number is old, but I'm going to tell you it's just gone up even more. The statistic I'm giving you is old. It's gone up from 8% in a matter of, what, eight years there? From 8.7 to 11.3, it's even higher now after COVID. I couldn't find a quotable one, but I know that for (laughs) good, so I didn't want to put it up there without a a source, a a source we believe in. Um, but but it's even higher now, and I, it has been brought to light. Now we can. There's a lot of negative that came from COVID, but there's a lot of positive too. And the attention to mental health, especially on youth, is one of them. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among 11 to 18 year olds. True or false? False. Second. It's the second. Suicide is the second leading cause of death. It's ahead of. Head of Accidents and Homicides. What's the first thing? I thought accidents. For young people. For young people. Okay. I don't know what the first one <laughs> I'm sorry. Gun violence. Okay. Mm. And So thank you for that. I appreciate it. But it, 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 isn't it hard to believe or sad to believe that suicide is up there as number two for young people? Every other year, uh, there's, there's surveys done out into to the students in high schools and middle schools, and these are national statistics from 2020. Felt so sad or hopeless for two weeks. These are um, high school students that that they stopped doing some usual activity. That's 31.5. Now, notice for two-plus weeks, we all know that everybody... No matter what your age, sometimes we have situations where it keeps us down in the dumps for a couple days, you know, and things like that. The key here is to realize that this is on, it keeps going. It keeps going. Seriously considered attempting suicide, 17.2. And these are, again, 11 to 18 is the age group here. Made a plan about how they would attempt suicide, 13.6 attempted suicide one or more within previous within the previous 12 months 7.4 it it's sad it really is sad attempted suicide that resulted in an injury 2.4 so there's a it's it's out there it's happening to a lot of our students and i'm going to bring this up a few times but none of us had to grow up with this in our life All our entire life long. This is a a mode that can give us all, the internet and all that can give us all sorts of advantages and extra ways to get knowledge and and research things and stay in touch with people. It can also turn all of that into something really ugly. A young person is 24-7 always connected to somebody and always has Get you know, getting messages from people that maybe you know the bullying, the the terror you know, just hate hate type of messages that are going out there. They're 24 7, they can't get away from it on this. So it's a different world. It's a different world out there for them. So let's get right into risk factors here. A risk factor is a personal trait. Or environmental quality that is associated with the increased risk of suicide. It's either something that, that um, involves comes dr- directly from the individual, or from where they they live, they growing up, where they go to school, their environment outside of them. Behavioral health is a risk factor, a behavioral health issue. Again, depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, ADHD. Things like that. Also, substance use. Substance use is a big risk factor. It's one of the top four for suicide. Um, An individual that is using substances heavily and has a substance use disorder, that's a mental health issue. They they don't know how to get out of that. They haven't figured that out yet. Besides the fact that you start using the substances to ease the pain, pain that they already have been experiencing. And self-injury, self-injury, um, is you know the cutting, the burning, the things like that that you that young people especially do have been known to do to themselves. Now that is not an, a suicide attempt. Again, that's attempt to to move the pain. I'm going to get rid of the pain I have here or here by put by cutting here. That we know it doesn't sound like it makes sense, but. That's how it, how it goes. Now, we need to keep in mind that risk factors are not causes. They're just situations that set up an, a, an opportunity for suicide ideation. Personal characteristics, feeling hopeless, um, having a very low self-esteem, not having very many friends or, or leaving your friends and, and being a very, becoming very isolated core problem-solving skills. A a young person that is, uh, you know, at one point they were very happy, had all these friends, they went out and did things, they played a sport, or they did a club, or they were active in church or something like that, and then all of a sudden they're pulling away, and their friends aren't, they're not hanging out with their friends anymore, and they're not going to their activities like they used to, and they're staying in their room and hiding. And not wanting to talk to anybody; those are all signs that something's going on with that young person, and we need we want to look at that and address that. Adverse life circumstances, interpersonal difficulties, um, gender questioning, our our understanding that you need to make a, a decision, and you're not un, a young person's unsure how to make a decision about their their gender, their Their preference, bullying, a history of abuse in the home or from outside the home, whether it be physical or emotional, and exposure to peer suicide, having been around it, too. But I I want you to keep in mind that just because somebody is in a school where a classmate um, has died by suicide doesn't mean that they're necessarily... Going to go that way. Suicide is a complex issue. Suicide ideation is. It's because of a whole string, a whole thread of events. I like to use it as a thread. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on, and it and it just you just keep adding on to the thread, add it onto the thread till we get to the point where a young person's at suicide ideation, and we'll go through that a little later. Family characteristics, the family history of suicide divorce, relocation, homelessness, all of these things are very traumatic to a young person. And they set up an environment again, especially if they already have a uh, mental health disorder that's been undiagnosed and they're dealing with all of this stuff going on all at the same time. They have a hard time handling it. Um, It, it hurts and they don't know how to deal with it, especially young people. their Their ability to cope has not been fully developed. That You know, that that comes when we're in our 20s. You know, our brain doesn't develop that very well. So family care, I already went And environmental exposure to stigma, especially around mental health, where, uh, again, it's, oh, you're just a young person. You're just going through a thing, when actually they're dealing with anxiety or ADHD or even depression. You know, are, um, and having so that it's not getting attention, it's not getting diagnosed, and they're being told they're just going through a thing. It they're being dismissed. Access to lethal means. It has been studied over and over again that if an individual has the ability to die by suicide readily available to them, i.e., guns in the home, un- unsecured properly. Drugs in the home un unsecured properly, even a bridge close by that has probably been used before for a, a suicide attempt. Uh, there was a small town in the on the east Coast once that had a uh, prevalence of youth suicide and they were all jumping off the same bridge. they closed the bridge or they put walls up around the bridge, dropped. Within the first year, by 70%. So, access to means is very important because it, it, it is an impulsive act, you know. And if they can't do it, then it's not, then they, they get beyond that. Remember, they want to think they don't really want to do this, it's just a, that last second that they can't take anymore. Okay. So, and limited access to mental health care. It's important. To know and to let the individual know that there's help out there. These are this this the way you're feeling is real. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Let's go to somebody who can help us. It's very important to set that atmosphere. Special are popu- uh, populations that are elevated risk. These are things. All of these things that we're talking about here help us recognize that maybe I want to pay a little more attention to this individual here. Alcohol or drug use, substance use. Substance use is a major proponent, major risk factor for suicide ideation because it covers it up. And eventually it doesn't cover it up anymore. And majority of mind-altering drugs are depressive. They work on your – so they can – the depression keeps building. Non-suicidal self-injury, our previous suicide attempt, again – in you know injuring yourself self the cutting and the burning is not a, a suicide attempt it's a, it's a way to get rid of another pain that's going on and uh, and so is a suicide attempt you want it you don't feel there's something going on you don't know what it is you don't get it you don't feel like anybody else gets you you don't you can't live like this anymore lgbtq being of that pop in in being there with your sexuality, especially for young people, it, you know, it's hard. It's hard for them to realize that they feel that way and that's the way they want to live. And then explaining it to your family and to them, they, they, they get questioned. They get teased. They get um, bullied all the time. And we, we see what's going on in the news now and everything like that. Well, again, 24-7 connection to good and to bad. So. Homelessness or out of home settings. Huge risk factor. Huge population that's at risk. When a young person doesn't have a base. You know. Doesn't feel like they're solid. You know. They have a, a home. And, and so their parents are struggling too. And they're, ha- they're, they're struggling. It becomes. It becomes a risk factor. Couch surfing. Home surfing is the same thing. Medical condition, medical conditions, or disability—an individual who has has had a major medical upset in their life, whether it be an accident, where they now are left in a wheelchair, or they have a learning disability diagnosed that makes them un, unable, or another disease that impacts their mobility and things like that. They are going they go through a major depression stage. That's a major depressive episode for them, and they are at higher risk. There's more suicide ideation when that happens to an individual, any age group. and those impacted by suicide, those impacted by suicide. because again, um, if they're already feeling upset and they don't know how to handle it and then they see somebody else that died by suicide, they think that maybe that is a, a way for me to go. Over 90% of the people who died by suicide have at least one major psychiatric disorder. Again, it's, it's depression is the largest, anxiety is another, substance use, ADHD, anything like that. But they all have something, over 90% have something going on. The strongest risk factor for youth suicide is depression, and it can occur in anybody, as we all know. We are much more educated these days on mental health conditions, but so depression—it is a, a state that the mind is in. It is an illness of the brain. It has to do with chemicals and imbalances and all that stuff. I am not a neuroscientist, so I do—I use it in layman terms. Um, and it can happen to anybody. So even the young person you think that th- that's out there getting straight A's and always showing up for volunteering and always you know great family relationship, they can have they can have depression as well. So it can happen to anybody. In young people, it looks more like a mood. It's anger and irritability is the way that it comes out in them. So if you you see a young person that you know, then all of a sudden they're angry more often, and they're more irritable and stuff, there might be something going on with them. Young people also have a tendency to mediate their uncomfortable feelings, like a mental health issue, physically. The nurse is the number one person who sees this at a school. Upset stomachs, nausea, headaches. Things like that. When all of a sudden there's the, that's going on all the time and you can't figure out why, you might want to look at what something else is. Maybe they're having a mental health issue happening too. Although most depressed people are not suicidal, most suicidal people are depressed. I think it's important to note that that is the difference. Most people who deal with depression in their lives can find the treatment and learn and learn how to handle it and cope with it and go on to lead their lives. But people who are dealing with suicide ideation, young people especially are most of them are depressed. So 20 to 30 percent of the adolescents have had one major um, depressive ep- depressive episode before they reach adulthood. So 30 percent, that's a large amount. We saw the 31.5 felt hopeless. So it is. It, these do, they do mean something. Youth with major depressive disorders are more than twice as likely to use illicit drugs compared to those youth who do not have a major depressive disorder. Again, because the act of using a substance like that stops that pain momentarily. Not forever, but momentarily. They haven't figured out the forever. That's why we're so involved because First Call is an alcohol drug prevention and recovery agency. But suicide is so t- tied in to substance use that we we want to be out there to stop, help with mediate that as well. Alcohol use while drinking down and heavy episodic drinking are strongly associated with suicide among adolescents. So what causes this? Well, we all know that when you drink, you become uninhibited. About or it's lessened, and you become more impulsive. So think about lethal means. You know all that going on, aggression and negative activity. A person becomes more aggressive and negative. They're, it's a depressant. They're they're going to they're falling right into it, and it cognitive constriction. Again, our brain is not developed enough at the age of 15, 16 to develop coping skills. And we turn to a a substance like a mind-altering drug, an addictive drug, and it stops it even more, stops the development even more. Drinking while down is a 75% increase rate, 75%. It's a depressant. Substance use is higher overall for individuals struggling with another stressor, such as depression or anxiety. Yes. And But on the other side, it is a way to see somebody might be struggling because it is a, a very outward behavioral um, situation when somebody's using a lot of drugs. You see it. You can see it. It's, so it's some, something you want to pay attention to. Non-suicide self-injury. Again, this is not a cause, um, but it is a risk factor, and it just means, and I don't even need to go over this much because I think this is not time number three, that they're trying to get rid of a pain another way. It's important to know, though, if you find out a young person is, is doing some self-injury, some cutting, some burning, um, those are the biggest ones there. You want to talk to them, but you want to talk to them just like you would talk to a person who you're worried about their mental health state because it is a state of mental health here that's causing them to do this. Talk to them in a calm and caring way and know that it is generally not about suicide. It's about, but it is a way they want to get rid of a pain. So it it, it becomes a risk factor because it's 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 a sign that something else is going on. And understand that self-injury is generally about managing emotional distress, and there is help. It's important to encourage seeking professional help. So, there we go. That's why we keep bringing that up. It is a risk factor, and it's a way to identify early on. So, really, what we're trying to do here is not let a young person get to suicide ideation. Let's catch it ahead of time. Bullying. Most teens who are involved in bullying do not become suicidal, but persistent bullying can lead to worsen, lead to or worsen feelings of of, of isolation, rejection, exclusion, despair, depression, and anxiety. All of those things. Fun. They it again. A person who's being bullied doesn't necessarily mean they're in They're in the midst of planning a, a, a suicide attempt, but it does mean they have. there's something going on. And it's important to try and talk to them as well. And that includes the perpetrator. That includes the person bullying, because the only reason they're bullying like that is because there's, they're covering up something that's going on as well. Bully victims have the highest rate, risk for suicide-related behavior. And again... This, this is the strongest tool bullying have right now. Bullying and the school environment, that's very important. A lot, you know, a young person's whole world is wrapped up in their school. So so when stuff like this goes on, their whole world is falling apart. It's important, since we're not a school here, what we can do is we can be supportive of the school and their attempts to Manage and address bullying and other risk factors for for the young teens in there. That, but it is it happens all the time and it is a big risk factor. So if you know of a young person that's going through this, are doing this, Ted Lasso, his son. Did you guys watch Ted Lasso? But he he addresses that series addresses mental health issues very well. Precipitating event. A precipitating event is a recent life event that serves as a trigger to moving an individual from thinking about suicide to attempting to take his or her own life. No single event causes suicide ideation. What it does is adds on, again, the threat. We're building this threat here. It adds on to the other risk factors that are going on. And some examples for young people are breakups, bullying again, sudden death of a loved one, and trouble at school. These are all, you know, remember, we were all that age once. When when we when we lost our best friend or our boyfriend or girlfriend, it was the end of the world for about 24 hours. Right? But sometimes it lasts longer. Again, it's the thread. it? There's you know, this happened. They, 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 Well, we're going to go through some examples, but, you know, the family You know the family got in trouble, and they lost their home, and then her boyfriend broke up with her, and then she started missing school. You know, all of these things started happening all at once, and then we're going on two weeks now, three weeks. I want to go talk to this young girl. I want to see what's going on, how I can help her. Warning signs. Now, warning signs and risk factors overlap often. But these are some things that we can see. A warning sign is an indication that an individual can be experiencing depression or thoughts of suicide. Most individuals give warning signs or signals of their intentions. Now, what is a warning sign? It can be a whole series a slew of things. but it the biggest ones and the easiest ones to notice, besides all the risk factors we've already talked about, is when a Person is saying things to you like it's not going to matter much anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. I might as well just die, you know. Or well, you know, there you can see a teenage girl going. He broke up with me. I'm just going to die. But what if they say that again tomorrow, and then the next day, and it's coming out in their papers and on their poem? There's something in their artwork. You there's something there you want to talk to them about. It's like. They won't miss me when I'm not around anymore. Giving away prized possessions. Um, and again, lose not hanging around your friends. A big change in your eating habits or your sleeping habits. It could be not eating, not sleeping, or eating, eating too much and sleeping all the time. Um, but those changes are something to pay attention to. Isolation, all of that. I like this slide because I as I've said all along suicide is a complex issue. All of these things are part, you know, personality disorders and traits, substance use, severe mental medical illness, access to weapons, life stressors, being suicidal, having you know history of it in your family or peers, psychiatric illness and comorbidity, comorb- neurobiology, brain chemistry impulsiveness, hopelessness, family history. All of these things can be playing playing towards an individual becoming su- um suicidal in their life. So it, again, it's complex and it could be just two of these things going on. But so it's important just to realize that there's when you see somebody that has a lot happening to them in a short in a span, short span of time, you want to talk to them. You want to go say hi to them, see how they're doing. Real quick, I'm going to go through this story of this young girl so we can see that in action. Margaret, she's an eighth grader. She recently lost her aunt to suicide, has been treated for anxiety, so there's a mental health issue. She's active and competitive with the debate team, and in the last month, you've seen her grades drop dramatically. She's missed three days of school, which is out of the norm, and she's been seen crying in the bathroom, and you just found out her boyfriend broke up with her. Risk factors. Family history and other mental health issues, anxiety, warning signs, grades dropping, missing school, crying in the bathroom. Protective factors, which we're going to talk about next real quick. She's social. She has friends. She's active in the debate club. She does extracurricular activities. And the, the participating event, precipitating event, excuse me, is a breakup. So there, see, see that string of things happening to this young girl all at the same time? We want to talk to her. We want to go. So how would we do that? We, we would mention changes we've seen and noticed in his or her behavior and that you're covered in how, and ask how she is doing, that you're concerned, excuse me. Ask if they've been thinking about suicide. Have you had any thoughts on suicide, on ways to end this? Um, are you feeling so bad that you've thought about suicide? Now, I wouldn't suggest opening with that line, <laughs> but when you, as you're having the conversation and you realize it, it's getting more and more depressive, and more and more of the other warning signs—I don't know if it's worth it anymore. I don't know why nobody wants me around anymore. Nobody cares about me. That kind of stuff. Then it's worth bringing it up. You know, the good news is. Today in schools, they talk more openly about those mental health issues as well. So it's not as awkward a conversation as you think it's going to be. Be supportive, remain calm, show that you care and reassure the student that they can get help. Stick with the team. If you've gotten to the point where you're asking them if they're going to take, they're thinking of making an attempt to take their life, to die by suicide, then you want to stay there until you can get them to a guardian or to another. A mental health professional, because you don't want to leave them alone. They've opened up to you. They've got to this point. It's important to stay there with them. And if you don't see, get them to a mental health provider. Make, you know, make sure that you talk to their parents and talk to or their guardians or something, and get them to somebody who who can talk, who can sit with them and counsel them. Then stay in touch with them because you formed a bond with them. Right. Already. So it's important to stay in touch and show them you continually care. There's a there's an acronym called ACT out there around this in the S.O.S. Suicide Prevention Program. And it's called Acknowledge, Care, Tell. And I'm going to go through this real quick because of time. You know, you acknowledge to the individual that you've noticed something going on and you're concerned. You care. You let them know that you care about them and that you really want them to to feel good with themselves and you want to help. And you tell. You never promise them you're not going to tell anybody because they're going to ask every time. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell my parents. You can't promise them that. You have to. But you can tell them it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And here's some real quick examples. You sound like you're really down. Have things, Things have gotten really tough. I've noticed you seem really quiet recently. Seems like you're, you know, here's just some examples for you to start off the conversation with. And here's how you show you can show you care. I'm really concerned. I care so much. I would never want you to be hurting like this. Show them that you care, and tell. Here's ways to say I'm. I, I'm. I'm not going to promise you. I'm not going to tell. But we can. We can go talk to somebody that knows how to help you with these things. Or even if you you know have a, a prominent person in. Whether it be clergy, a parent, somebody like that, say, why don't we go talk to them? They 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 deal with this a lot. They help people a lot, and and go with them. Avoid arguing with the student about their feelings and choices, and minimizing the student's feelings. Keep what you learn a secret. Avoid all of that. Don't you know? Oh, you'll get over this. Uh, Validate them. They're hurting. Validate them, validate how they feel Tell tell them that you want to help them It's a matter of concern It's not about just pushing it aside And act if you see warning signs You know when, When you see somebody crying in the bathroom Saying I don't want to ever be here again I don't want to be here anymore They'd be better off without me Go to them, help them Protective factors Protective factors are personal traits and environmental qualities that can reduce the risk of suicide behavior. This group is a protective factor right now. Um, individual characteristics, helping a, a young person develop coping skills, build their self-esteem. Spiritual faith is a big one. Adaptable, to, you know, they're very easy temperament. They 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 don't get riled up easily. Things like that. Family and other support. Clergy are church, faith, other community groups. Keeping a young person active in those is helpful. Mental health and healthcare, having access, having an open environment in the home or in, in the community group where they can talk about it and feel comfortable talking about it and know that there's help out there. Restricted access to means. Lock up the guns. Lock up the medications that can the the opioids and the overdose medications that some of us have at home. You know, safety barriers for support. Support your community when they decide to do something like that. Um, and school. Support your school and and support the the action to make it a positive experience and and a sense of respect towards the school and things like that. Make the school a safe place too because, again, it's their whole life as a teenager is at school. Any questions? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're
1: going to take questions now.
2: First, um, I guess, a comment. Thank you so much. That was really great. It was very informative, and I, I appreciate it. My question is, If there's an individual that has uh, attempted suicide more than once and you know that's an issue and they're um, not seeking or getting help from mental health, are there like support groups or is there anything else that they could do other than like an individual counselor? Thank you very much. That's a great question because there are lots of people out there like that and there are resources that have there's an anxiety center there's a depression center and they will they are experts at dealing with this and they um highly trained medical medically trained they um have groups now i'm i'm not i know where to send people to do that we don't do that at first call but um you can call first call and say i need a group that can talk to this person who is severely depressed because they are um, And it doesn't want to go seek help yet, and I want you know, sort of like an Al-Anon group, you know. um, And we will give you those numbers then. That's what our hotline, and I have some cards there with the hotline and our brochures. So I, I don't mean to be pushing, the first, but but we can't. That's we're a resource, a call center for that kind of stuff. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Um, this means a lot to me
2: as a millennial, like someone that. Um, you know it was starting to become more norm talking about mental health in school um and recently my therapist broke my mind um because she said that suicidal ideation is actually quite normal um that people have those thoughts of like oh what if i just like jumped out of a window or like like in intrusive thoughts so how do we change the narrative from suicidal ideation is like Something that a lot of people deal with, even though they don't have a diagnosis, versus making a plan to actually commit suicide. Very good question. Thank you very much. You're right. That's absolutely right. I think all of us can think about times when we all said, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, as a person in long-term recovery, my last few years, I certainly felt that way. But the, the key here is the long-term activity of that thought um i think it's important to to recognize and talk to a person you know is struggling or or even if it's just that moment right then and there and say you know i've had those thoughts too but the next day on the next in an hour they're gone you know and it that it's normal i think it's important to have the conversation and that helps normalize it too and say we all feel bad at times you're never going to have a life of somebody who never has bad days it's just the way it is we're dealing with a whole bunch of other people <laughs> so studies have shown in group therapies and talk therapies that when one person shares their personal experience another person gets gets better from it, gets relief from it so I, I think it's important to share I've had those thoughts too and they do go away thank you very much
1: uh, Michelle as you're aware this is the first in a series of events we're doing and it'll culminate in the story about Tyler Clemente who kids life mm-hmm. what I'm curious about in that situation and I think this is what a lot of parents worry about is his act as far as I know was an impulsive act you know what I'm saying, it wasn't a result of a long series or period of depression, but it was an impulsive act. Do you have advice for parents who worry about that with their children, that there might be something to trigger that?
2: Well, research has shown that even though it looks like it was an impulsive act, that the the thread started along uh, prior to that, impulsivity. And um, obviously we don't know what was going on but again i think the best way to as been to stop the suicide ideation thoughts is to have the open conversation and and you know how many times do we sit there and go i'm saying all this and my child's not listening to me at all today they have this in their hand they have earbuds in their ears and stuff but, and we did the same thing. We did the same thing as young people. We said, I don't know, Okay, how many times do you remember now what your parents said to you? We all do, don't we? We remember things they said to us, even though at the time we said, I'm not listening to them. So they. my point of that is keep the conversation going. They are hearing what they need to hear. They are hearing what they need to hear. So that that is the best way by opening up the conversation, you might be able to get them to talk about what's bothering them.
0: Yeah, Thank I you. have two experiences with this topic, and that um, it occurred to me that the the toxic family is one of the major sources. And it seems to me the direction that you're providing is to talk about the uh, the, the potential victim of suicide. But how do we direct focus to families that are actually toxic and uh, and kind of actually causing some of this is there, there seems to me there ought to be a direction in that uh, to deal with toxic families. Well,
2: again, I'm not, I don't want to come off as an expert on toxic families because I'm not, but those individuals that make up that family have something going on as well, you know, and you know, if it's substance use, if it's, uh, physical or mental abu- uh, you know, physical or verbal, emotional abuse. There's reasons why they're doing that. There's reasons why people start using substances. Yes, eventually you become addicted to the substance itself, but you—you you started using it addictively, constantly because it made you feel better. And why did you need to feel better? And you know, it, some of these things—they—they they came about naturally. They came about because they're they're predisposed to this their dna their their makeup they're built um, and that includes depression that includes anxiety and adhd those are all can be a result of being born with a ability to are the uh, predisposition excuse me to to acquire these things to have to deal with these things and as has been brought up, each generation we go back, talked less and less about this. I grew up, my dad had this disease, substance use disease, caused a divorce, you know, terrible behavior, all that. What I was told, shh, put it in your pocket, forget about it. I had no idea I could come down with this, you two. I could drink like him. And I didn't. I, I don't know if that really answered your question, and I'm sorry, but I think it starts way back before they become a family.
1: Yeah, well, this is an important subject. Um, I didn't see any of the factors that would talk about feelings of failure. Um, What would be your advice for um, suggestions for how to uh, help a person realize that it's coming out second best is also a winnable position?
2: Well, I think where that would fall... In my untrained um, thought process, would be self-esteem, and feeling uh, feelings of inadequacy come from a low self-esteem, and so we could again—that's something to talk to a mental health coach about, and and helping it to help an individual. I would encourage them to talk about it and say, you know, and then again, we can say, I too, you know, when I don't do something perfectly, I go home and it rattles around in my head all day. You know, oh, I should have done it this way. Oh, I'll do that when I leave here. (laughs) You know, once you learn to share this stuff and realize that other people do it too, and it doesn't mean you're, you're not good enough. that takes time, and it takes the openness and the vulnerability to be able to share it with somebody else. And so how do we start that? We start the conversation by sharing our own vulnerability. That is my opinion. That's an opinion, not a trained answer.
0: Good talk. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, My question uh, is a little bit ill-formed, but I have to say there's a part of me that that, – uh, reacts against medicalizing uh, suicide. When I, I see, well, that's an important part of it, and you're dealing kind of on the front lines, triaging immediate crisis issues, uh, you're opening statistics that talk about how this problem is getting worse. Well, that I mean, people have been breaking up with their boyfriends for a long time. That, that hasn't gotten worse. Something else has gotten worse. It's a social failure. It's not just a personal Crisis. Oh. So, at at first call, I would think you're building up a really potentially valuable database of of what's going on in the culture that's causing this to be a problem. Uh, my my experience with adolescents in our culture is that not just the cell phones, but <laughs> but adolescents in general don't feel like they have a place in our society. They feel unneeded. They feel invisible. Uh, they they're not part of the workforce. They're they're just there's There's nothing that they feel that they're contributing to the society around them, and we don't we don't seem to want them in their views oftentimes uh, those are the kind of larger cultural issues that I wonder if you could comment on i mean what's what's going on in the culture rather than uh helping people cope with their problems let's let's attack the problems, not just develop coping skills. What are the social problems that create this as an issue? Thank you,
2: thank you. I, I, well, I think, um, again, I know, no, it's not, you say not just a cell phone, but the development of our reliance on the Internet and to be in constant communication and have instant answers is part of our changing culture. Our t- the culture around us is changing. Now, I don't have, those aren't facts. I don't have statistics on this and stuff, so... I can only quote on what I see, and that's what these young people have to deal with today: is um, continual comparisons to body image, to successes, to uh, other people doing you know doing thing, uh, all the things that they're doing. They you can put anything on here; doesn't mean it has to be real. And I point to that: it could be this, it, you know, that this is where they live. They live on here, and maybe as a culture, we need to get back to developing activities in here, in in the community groups, whether it be your church, your neighborhood com- community. You know, remember the days? You know, I played on a on a, a a softball team that wasn't part of the high school; it was part of the neighborhood. You know, and um, had involvement in that, and so involvement encouraging young people to become involved in other activities and and teaching them how to stay you know it's an it's a ongoing that's a big problem a big a big task excuse me let's not call it a problem let's call it a task
1: uh thank you for those of you who joined us online thank you for joining us
2: thank you guys
0: Thank you for tuning in to the All Souls Forum. Keep your radio dialed to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio for your jazz afternoon coming up immediately, followed by the Boogie Bridge and then the Heartland Labor Forum at 6 p.m. In the meantime, have a great day.